This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Do things that you love doing. It gives you a chance to spend time with the family, read a book, do some arts and crafts. Just know that you're not alone and everyone has their good and bad days. And just remember, it's just a bad day, not a bad life. Hey everyone and welcome back to another episode of It Ain't Week to Speak. My name is Sam Webb and this show is dedicated to ending the stigma around mental health through community, connection and the hard-hitting truth. I'll be speaking with guests from all over the world about life to inspire and to educate people to speak up so that we can save more lives. Thank you for joining me on this journey. everyone. It is so good to be back with you. I'm genuinely very grateful for everyone's time and support listening into this podcast week after week. Thank you to everyone for sharing and for giving your feedback. It very much goes a long way. I'm genuinely pumped for this next episode because I get to speak to a mate of mine. His name is Trent Maxwell. You might know him as the street name Lifeguard Maxie if you're into the Bondi Rescue TV show. He's most commonly known as the youngest ever professional lifeguard to work at Australia's world famous Bondi Beach, which in fact, Maxie started at 16 years of age as a trainee and his career has now spanned well over 14 years on the award-winning Australian TV show Bondi Rescue. The word selfless gets thrown around quite a bit, and if anyone embodies that exactly the way it's supposed to be, this is the man that does it. Not only is Maxie a lifeguard, and he's been doing it for so many years, he's also a firefighter in Sydney, and he's also a social entrepreneur recently starting an enterprise called Live, Learn, and Survive, where he's teaching life-saving skills to children and young adults all over the globe. He's a great man. He's got so much to offer in this space when it comes to wisdom and insight. But one thing I do want to make very clear is during this episode, there will be topics discussed around suicide methods, death, and very sensitive and very graphic content. So I do want to make it extremely clear that if this does trigger you, please disengage from this episode because at Livin, it is our top priority that we create a safe environment for our community and we want to empower our audience members with the knowledge that they need to make healthy decisions about how they engage with our podcast content. Especially towards the end of this podcast, it does get quite full on. So flag that part of the episode if you do want to avoid it. We definitely go into talking about, you know, what it's like as a first responder, how Maxi deals with trauma day after day, time after time. We talk about, you know, certain methods that might be used in suicides and certain places in and around Sydney he visits frequently as not only a lifeguard, but as a firefighter. But we also talk about, obviously, Maxi's self-care strategies, how he looks after himself, how he stays positive and stays persistent and stays committed to his work. 
but also how the team community can help avoid these things and help save more lives because that's what they're doing. They're on the front line, they're first responders, and they see some pretty heavy stuff. So I want to welcome Maxi onto the show with open arms, and I think we all should, and pay our full utmost respects to what he has to say. But I also want to make it clear again that there are some very serious, sensitive topics discussed in this, and if it is going to trigger anything, definitely, definitely do not listen to it because safety, again, is our first priority. And like always, if at any time during the episode that something might trigger and you might have to tap out and leave it, that's completely fine. Please head to our website, living.org, if you want to learn more information. We've got a bunch of very, very helpful resources to be able to seek help and professional assistance if you are in a crisis. But without further ado, let's get him on the show. Well, here he is. He's just come off a 24-hour shift fighting fires, I've heard. The man of the moment. I can't wait to speak to you, mate. Thanks so much for coming onto the show. No worries, Sammy boy. It's good to be here, mate. I thought I was going to be running a bit finely this morning. We had a unit fire at 4 o'clock this morning in Darlinghurst, so I only just got home about half an hour ago. <laughs> but it's all right. It's, it's, it's all good. I'm pumped to have a chat and, uh, yeah. Talk about what we've been doing. Are you not tired, mate, at all, or are you just pumped for the show or what? Oh, <laughs> mate, I've been a fire for five years, so I work in the city, so we're a pretty busy station. We get up to 20 to 30 calls a shift, so you get pretty used to getting woken up during the night and during the day. So, yeah, it's a, it's a tough gig. <laughs> it's, it's all good. But, mate, as far as everything that you do for work, everything across the three areas, which we'll talk about soon, is all about helping people and giving back and trying to make people better off, improve people's lives, save people's lives. And I think that's inspiring at the very least. But from a first responder point of view, and let's talk firstly about your work in the last five years in the fiery space, what are most of the cases that you'd get called out for? Just a quick timeline of my job as a firefighter. As soon as I come out of college, I went to Redfern. I was at Redfern for two years, and that's just a normal station with just a normal fire truck with water. And then I really wanted to do my rescue so I went into the city and in the city we have a rescue appliance section. So usually half the shift I'm a firefighter, half the shift I'm a rescue operator. And yeah, so with the rescue stuff, we do all sorts of stuff. We do car accidents, retrievals, cliff rescues, lift rescues, you know, industrial accidents, domestic accidents. Anything you can think of to do with rescue, we do. It's one big toolbox of the truck that we have. Some of the stuff, I'm sure I could dabble into a few of the jobs I haven't personally been to, but our training is pretty fierce. You know, being a firefighter, it's not just about fighting fire. A lot of people think, oh, it's just water on fire, but that's not the case. Um, all sorts of different incidences. incidences, And uh, lifeguarding complements my firefighting. My firefighting comp- complements my lifeguarding in different ways as well. Mate, it's truly inspiring. And I mean, I've got so many things I'd love to learn from you, Maxi. I mean... We talk about your work as a firefighter, you know, and the lives when it comes to retrievals, and I'm sure no doubt you're involved in suicides and things like that. I'm aware that you've been a lifeguard well and truly before you work in the firefighting space. So you've been dealing with helping people, the upsides of saving lives and, and helping people live better and get them out of sticky situations, so to speak. But you've also been dealing with the downside of that, and that is seeing people dying right in front of you and witnessing that from a very young age. What has that impact, mate, had on you? I know that you've been doing this for so long. How do you manage that, mate? How do you manage this day to day? 
Okay, yeah. It's good because a lot of people ask me this. How can you stay positive or how do you not unravel and have a spiral spiral out of control? Basically, I've always wanted to be a firefighter. I have ever since I was a kid. And as I was going through my childhood, just always kind of had that in me to be a rescuer, to help people, adrenaline, get out there, have a crack. And then when I got into lifeguarding when I was 15 down at Bondi, and literally my first day at Bronte Beach. So I worked at Bondi for six months before, just at Bondi to get my training up to scratch. My first day at Bronte Beach, I had a guy jump off the South Point there. And it was a weird one because Kerbox was with me on that day, Rod Kerr. And he's, he's a legend. He just pretty much just said, mate, we're on here. No worries. Just t- took a deep breath. I'll never forget it. Grabbed the binoculars and I could see just off the point, I could see a guy in a red shirt. I've been a lifeguard for 15 years. This is 15 years ago. So a guy face down with a red shirt floating just off the rocks. Guys from the jet ski at Bondi come around. I was with Kalen. Kalen paddled down the rescue board. I was on the beach with Kerbox with all the um, DFib, Medikit, Oxy and all that stuff. Body comes in, bring him up the beach. And I just remember guys getting to work straight away. And I'm just kind of like standing back a little bit because it's my first recess. And Kerbox just looks up at me as he's pumping this guy's chest and he goes, get in here, have a crack. So that was my first introduction to resuscitation. Set a all aside that it was a suicide guy jumped off the cliff. There wasn't a scratch on him. Uh, he wasn't severely disfigured or anything. It just looked like a guy just drowned, you know. And as we we're doing compression, I know it's pretty graphic to get into it, but a bit of blood started coming out and stuff like that. And uh, I just remember pumping away and just like not trying to look at the guy's face, but just trying to get a good rhythm. All the training's kind of paid off those six months at Bondi before. And, you know, the guys, teamwork, good work, work, keep going, keep going. The big air ambulance chopper landed in the park and the doctor took over from me and then just as he went into the back of the chopper they said oh he's got a pulse positive right is the fact that even though i could tell that he didn't look too well it wasn't it wasn't an ideal situation to be in being hands-on seeing it and hearing the doctor say good work guys he's got a pulse back even though he was gone for about 15 to 20 minutes we ended up finding out a couple of days later that he died, I think, six days after after that. But he was he was on life support. But it was enough for his family. He was a local guy. It was enough for his family to go to the hospital and say their goodbyes. So positive, negative situation. Negative, obviously, someone wanted to take their life and, you know, thought that was the only way out. Positive, you know, it was a successful resuscitation on our behalf and the family got to say goodbye. And that was my first one. And then um, <laughs> I feel like that, that, me talking about that, that went for about five minutes, but uh, that was my first experience. Mate, thanks so much for sharing. That's the first experience on the beach and I can picture lifeguard box, mate, boxy, cur box. Yeah. Get in here. Get in here. Yeah. But um, I reckon that could have hit a crossroads there. So I, after that, I've gone, is this a job for me? You know, I just saw someone potentially die in front of me. What am I doing? I'm 16 years old. You know, a few times I was like, oh, Knowing that a few of my schoolmates are still at school learning English and math and science, hanging out and playing handball on their lunch break, you know, and here's me, 16 years old, straight into it. And, you know, some people go their whole career without dealing with one, let alone, you know, further we talk about things. I've been involved in a a fair few over the years, but um, I'm sure that I could dabble in a few of them through this chat. But, yeah, my first experience at Bronte Beach as a lifeguard 15 years ago was a suicide. And the residue and the impact that someone's life has on anyone's life 
is certainly impactful to a certain degree. It's how you manage with it yourself and what works for you. And we'll talk about that later on. But as a very young dude, right, wanting to be on the beaches and work and mate, work in one of the busiest beaches in the world, as Bondi Beach is, right? Especially in the summer, what you get 50,000, 60,000 people there flocking on the beach and it's like little ants everywhere. I love the place. I love Bondi. I love the eastern suburbs. But that beach, mate, in the summer, is it's an absolute zoo. When you're involved in all these things, I mean, you know this is what you were set out to achieve, right? You've gone in, you're a lifeguard at a young age, you're chasing your, your dreams. This is what you've set out to achieve. Now you're doing other great things, which we'll talk about soon in Live, Learn and Survive and then you're firefighting as well. How do you manage it? How do you manage it? Like, let's talk about Sydney in particular. For those of you who are listening that are from Sydney or know Sydney, there's a very notorious suicide hotspot in Sydney called The Gap, not far from Bondi Beach. They say on average a person to two people a week take their life there, probably a little bit more. Yeah, lately there's been one a day. Wow. One a day. Wow. That's what we know of. There's, I think, 160 missing persons around the Sydney area and they never get found. So there's times where people go and never be found again. So as, as tragic as that sounds, there's a lot of missing persons around as well that they speculate could have gone off any of the cliffs around around the headlands and stuff. But yeah, Fuck, mate. That's just fucking heartbreaking. Mate, honestly, my resilience and my strength to keep pushing on, it's a pros and cons to it. There's a lot of times I have a big wall build up and I'm pretty strong in that sense. But, you know, sometimes the odd job slips through the cracks. Suicides are heavy. But I've also been to some people that had passed away from just tragic accidents. Literally riding home from work and coming off a push bike and hitting a parked car. Like and young people too. Young this chick was 18, 19, the one that did the push bike. But like back to what you're saying, Bondi, busiest beach in Australia. There's only seven, eight lifeguards at any given time. We deal with rescues, first aids, bag thieves, fights, suicides, car accidents, fires major first aids, minor first aids, dealing with the public customer service. You guys are like the kings of the eastern suburbs and people ought to pay you more respect and love on that beach, mate, especially during times like this. For me, I just love doing the job. If people want to give us a pat on the back, happy days, but I don't do it for that. I do it because I just know that I am making someone's day that little bit better. If I'm pulling up to them in a car accident or on the beach if they're having a seizure, we're there ready to go. And the beauty of my job is you can't dwell on the incidences you go to. And I'll go into that because as a lifeguard, you work from six o'clock in the morning in summer till seven o'clock at night. So there's 13 hour days. Let's just say at 11 o'clock, we get called around the corner to someone that's taken their life. Go around there, do the retrieval, try and resuscitate, do whatever. Come back at midday, one o'clock, straight back into it. You're doing a double two person rescue come back in, oh, someone's having a spinal, bang. So maybe one day I might all catch up, but same as the fire is, mate. As soon as you leave that incident, you go, clean your gear, get back to the station, have it like a really refresh, have time to compress. bang, bells go again, you're on. Like yesterday I had got called to a second alarm, structure fire, where was it? Double Bay yesterday, and then we had a kitchen fire last night, and then we had a unit fire this morning. So it's like let's just say that second alarm at the start of the day at, at 5 o'clock in the afternoon, was a really bad one. You know, fast forward two hours, I'm doing a kitchen fire. Fast forward another eight hours, I'm at another fire. So it's you, you haven't got time to really stopping, uh, you know, uh, that was heavy. Like you do, but you have the team behind you, you have the teamwork, we have the right peer support, we 
We have counselling. Which is very important, mate, isn't it? Oh, definitely, mate. It's very important and it's necessary in a role like that. 100%. For me, running is my escape. I'll go for long runs. Anyone that's listening that's feeling a bit down or whatever, mate, running is the best. And the best thing is you can run around the block, start off with around the block. You might be puffed. Then you do a K, then you do 2K, then you do 10K. And then next minute you sign up for a half marathon. Next minute you sign up for a full marathon. And then it's just, it's a never ending thing of of feeling good. I think with running, I love it. And then the trick is to put some good music on. Music that makes you actually happy or smile or take you back to a good time in your life. Makes you run faster. I've just noticed, I hear a lot of people go, oh, yeah, I listen to music, but it's, you know, a bit sad or it takes me back to situations that I've been in. And, and it's like, you can do that if you want to relive those things. However, if you want to kind of just change your mind and get you in an upbeat mood, listen to something that's funky and fun and upbeat. And fresh and maybe new, something that you enjoy, mate. And I can really relate to you in regards to running. Running was a self-care strategy that I place at the top of my self-care list. Running is, is a form of meditation. And it's a form of being able to sit with your thoughts and really, really find peace within yourself, I think. And that's the way that I've coped with my life's biggest challenges and struggles, you know. And I'm glad that you're able to share that, mate, because it's very important. And unfortunately, not everyone likes running. Everyone's got to do what's in their best interest for their self-care strategies, you know, because everyone's very different. But that being said, mate, we can talk about all the doom and gloom that comes with these jobs. And at the end of the day, it's part of what you do for work, right? You're doing it to help people to make someone's day that little bit better and to, to hopefully save someone's life right and if we bring that all back to the times where you've been to these retrievals you've gone to these jobs where it's just you know you probably question yourself am i cut out to do this should i keep doing it what's this doing for me like let's talk about some of the wins where you might have been called to a job where someone's tried to take their own life or they've jumped off the off the gap or whatever that looks like and they're alive and you've saved their life can you tell me about some of those stories mate Mates, I have done a resuscitation. I think it's about a year ago now. Resuscitation, drowning, south corner. It's not very often you can see where the person is. Like you spot it, you respond to it, you paddle out, execute the rescue, get the person in, resus them, bring them back. Usually there's like within a team, you fall into a category where you grab the defib or you grab the oxy or you're on the chest or you do the rescue or you're in the spotting. But that day I managed to do all, pretty much all the, the whole checklist. Got the guy back. Mate, he was dead as a doornail. Like, I paddled out to him, face down, rolled him over, eyes open, full of water, phone with the mouth, and I've just gone, oh. And I actually thought it was a jumper because he looked that that dead. Must have floated him from Mackenzie's point. Anyway, I was like, no, nah, I'm going to give it a crack. And, um, yeah, brought him in, started working with him with one of the other guys and got him back. That was one of a few. There's been times where we've been up towards the gap and someone's been on the edge of the cliff, but we've been on the jet ski waiting for him to jump and the negotiators have talked them down. We do a lot of concern for welfares as a firefighter and because I'm the rescue squad, we do a lot of entering, like have to break into places. So we have the tools to be able to pop doors, break into windows, like get in to help someone. And there's been a few times where I've popped doors where people have been close to, you know, gassing themselves and doing some silly things. They're little wins as well, getting the ambos and the police to that scene, getting them in, getting them to talk to the person. Car accidents, there's been a few where a lady, decent hit, we've managed to cut her out and you know, she lived to tell the tale. So, man, it's just a constant flow and effect of every day is different. There's no job that's the same. You might go to the same sort of incident where it's a unit fire or a car accident, but every single job's different in its respects and you're constantly learning. You know, I'm five years in and every day is a learning curve, still learning, still trying to upskill. 
even as a lifeguard, you know, I'm not one to sit back and go, ah, I'm a senior lifeguard now. I'm, a, I'm getting closer to become a senior fiery. Ah, it's, it is what it is. You get complacent, you get a bit stale, you get <sighs> like kind of have the weight on the world on your shoulders. You just don't want to really be there. But for me, I try to keep it fresh and keen. And I think it's a flowing effect to the crew that you work with as well. Cause there's people that I work with that are a little bit older that have been in the job and they're like, man, what, why are you so like, you're just keen or you just love it. And I'm like, well, man, I, I love it. And that kind of inspires them to be better and inspires the younger guys coming through that even though I'm not really a leader yet, I'm aiming in the future to be a leader in that respect and be a good boss. Mate, I think, you know, even just hearing you speak and hearing, you know, some of the stories that you're able to tell about, mate, I think you are definitely a leader as of right now. And I think given the energy and the enthusiasm and the passion to help people and come into a workplace like that, you naturally lead with purpose anyway whether you've been in the job for a month or or 10 or 15 years, it really doesn't matter. I love your perspective on things, you know. I love that you've got to be a student of life. You've got to be always open to learning because no one knows everything about anything. I say that all the time. No one knows everything about anything. No matter how rounded you think you are, there's always room to improve. There's always room to learn. Mate, there is. And, you know, with the lifeguarding and the firefighting, I've started Live, Learn, Survive because I've seen young people drown. I've seen tragic people dying in house fires. So I'm like, hang on, where's this little connection where I need to get the water safety and the fire safety aspect out there as well? So I created Live, Learn, Survive and me and Lee, we travel around Australia, UK to get the message out there, to teach, to educate and to tell them real stories of situations they might find themselves in and they can maybe relate and they can help better them if uh, tragedy was to strike, uh, you know, and it's getting the, you know, getting the awareness out there. I've done three books about water safety for children. I mean, I'm currently writing book four. I still have another nine books in my mind that I want to do. I want to do Max of the Firefight. I want to, yeah. So it's exciting though, because I feel like if you sit and you just go, oh, I've done it all, or I've been a part of Bono Rescue too, you know, a lot of time people go, oh, you got a bit of, I hate saying it though, it's not fame, but like, you know, a bit of exposure around the world. You know, there's times where I go to jobs where I jump out of the truck in my firefighting gear. Oh, it's Maxi from Bondi Rescue, which is sweet. You know, hey guys, how are you? You know, oh, what are you doing? But I'm just so fortunate that the way that I've gone down the path, obviously pros, I've taken a lot of positives, got rid of a lot of the negatives. I don't put up with anyone's bullshit, to be honest. You know, I'm my own person. I know what I do is a good thing and I just want to keep chipping away and, you know, I'm not a follower. I don't need to bow down to anyone. So for me, I'm going to work. I'm giving my 100%, 110%. I want to educate, I want to teach and I want to give back. It's just one of those things that I just do it, mate. I don't do it to get accolades or pats on the back. I just do it and I enjoy doing it. And I'm 29. I've got a longevity as a firefighter. I've got a hopefully a few more years as a lifeguard and Live, Learn, Survive has only been around for two years and we're really trying to push that as well. So why not? I could do all three. Yeah, exactly, mate. And three amazing initiatives, three very, very different professions too, each with their own skill sets that are required to get the message out but also to help people along the way too. People don't just step into those jobs overnight and think it's a, it's an overnight success. Well, I was just going to say, a lot of people don't realise it's very hard to become a firefighter. It took me six years to become one. So... Tried trying for the fires when I was 18. Got knocked back at 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23. And I got in when I was 24. So if that's not persistence, and then while that was going on, you know, I did the jet ski ride with Jesse up the coast for mental health. 
you know, I still part of Bondo Rescue, still traveling around doing stuff, you know, lifeguarding on the beach. So there's a few times in those six years of applying for the fireys where not once in my mind I'm like, you know what, I'm not going to try for the fireys anymore. I feel like if I didn't get in the fireys, I wouldn't be fulfilled in my dream job as a child. And there was just always something empty in me. If I wasn't ever to get in, I would hold that and I'll be upset. So I'm so fortunate that I got in. It's the best job in the world. I love it. And anyone that's listening that wants to be a firefighter or wants to do any dream job. I wanted to ask that, mate. Is for anyone that's listening, my best mate wants to be a fiery. He's been trying out for, mate, I reckon close to six to eight years easily. Fitness test after fitness test after being knocked back. What do you say to anyone that's listening that's trying to pursue whatever job it is? And especially let's talk about the first responders, though, first of all, and then any job. For anyone who's pursuing a first responder job, what's your advice? So let's just say, for me, with the fireys, 12,000 people apply. There's only 100 and, 100 and 110 jobs, right? If you're listening, you want to have a crack. You want to make sure that you're the best in that 100. Go and visit fire stations, pulling out cognitive testing, emotional testing, doing online tests, going back to the study. Don't just go, oh, I'll just apply when it comes around and just and hope for the best. Actually prepare yourself six, eight, 12 months out. Go, you know what? If your mate's listening, he wants to try for New South Wales is in July this year. Mate, you know, it's what? It's nearly June. You've got a month, month and a bit to study your cognitive, your emotional intelligence. Get fit for your physical. Get your interviews down pat. Just try and focus on each individual stage, not the end goal. Like for me, when I was applying, I was visualizing me being in, if that makes sense. I was living, breathing it everything and anything and I knew that I was going to be competitive but I made sure that I was in a box seat to be in that top 100. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great, too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. This is Paige, the co host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive in June. 
Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. And you might you literally claw to the death of, of of living and breathing. But if you don't get in, don't put all your eggs in the one basket and go, oh, that's it. I'm a big believer. They'll see your name pop up a few times over time. They go, you know what? Persistence, mate. And I I hundred percent believe that if you want something bad enough. Obviously, sometimes um, physical restrictions might, you know, let's say you want to be, you're seven foot tall and you want to be a jockey, for example. Like, it just can't happen. But you can still work at the strapping yard and strap the horses and be around that. So even though the end goal of not being an actual jockey, but you can still work around the stables, still be a part of the horse racing. That's a, just a classic example I like to use because, you know, sometimes people can't be things that they want to be. I mean, that's just fact. However... If there's something physical that's not holding you back, mm. the only thing in your head or the actual getting out there and actually doing it, then ask yourself, if this is for me, I'm going to give it 110% and I'm going to take no for an answer because I'm really big on, I'm sure you are, mate, big on energy, big on positivity. If you go in there with a clear head, right mindset, mate, anything and everything's achievable. Mate, you create your own path. And you know what? Sometimes your path might be full of shrubs and trees. You need to get in there with a little axle and just get through, cut a few of the trees away. Then you've got a little bit of a path. Yeah, the path's a bit muddy and dirty. But you know, that's they're still setting the path. And then all of a sudden, the pavers arrive. And the boys have got the mud in the mixer and they're going, all right, let's start paving the pavers. We've got this path sorted and it's solid and we're, we're on. So sometimes the path isn't as clear as you think. But if you are animate that this is a clearing, this is the best way to get through the trees and through the shrub, my bet you that you're going to lay those pavers and it's going to be the best path that you've ever built. And no matter how hard it is, guys, if you're listening to this right now, you better believe it because if there's something in life that you certainly want to achieve, it's about working hard, taking responsibility for your actions and showing up. And, you know, a lot of the time, as even Max has alluded to, I think, you know, what's really important is asking for help along the way. And I'm sure, Maxi, you've asked for help along the way, even getting into the fireys, you know? Definitely, mate, definitely. You know, going to local fireys, yeah, mate, Hoppo gave me an opportunity as a trainee. Uh, a lot of people don't know the story of how the Bonner Rescue lifeguards come about. I was in South River Surf Club. I really wanted to be a lifeguard because I knew that was going to be a stepping stone to help me get in the fire brigade eventually. Went to, to Hoppo. I said, hey, mate, can I do work experience? I was still at school at this stage, mind you, year 10. Can I do work experience for a week? And he goes, yeah, no worries. I had to go through the right channels. I didn't know the guys were a bar of soap. I actually wanted to be a Ramic lifeguard at Maroubra because that's where the beach I grew up with. And they're like, oh, we don't do uh, apprenticeships or anything here, but you can go to Bondi and see if they'll, you know, whatever. So I did my work experience at Bondi. Did work experience at Bondi. And then that week finished and I said, hey, Hop, can I do every Monday for the rest of the year? He said, yeah, no worries. So every Monday while I was at school, I went down to the beach. Come November, Hoppo goes, look, mate, I know you're keen. We've got to create this traineeship 
where you do you're a full time trainee, and then one day a week you go to TAFE. You do your cert two, cert three in um, whatever you want to do, which was fitness I chose. So already lifeguarding background because to be a fire you need to have your year twelve certificate and or a cert three equivalent grade to show that you've progressive learning. So straight away lifeguarding tick, cert three and fitness tick. I was like, you know what? As soon as I turn eighteen, bang, I'm I'm on water on and. Took me six years, but I got there, got me in goal. But with lifeguarding, mate, I was so fortunate that Hoppo, it all started with an email. I emailed Hoppo and Bono Rescue, I think it was its first year, but I thought it was completely separate. I, I didn't realise that the lifeguards were on the show. I thought it was just like a TV show that they just come down and film with actors or whatever. And it was funny because when I started in May that year, the film crew rocked up in December and they're like, oh, who's this young guy? Oh, <laughs> I'm just keen. Oh, I'm Maxie. I'm... You know, I'm the new trainee and then just that the rest is history. You know, they pretty much watched me grow up or people watched me grow up. But it all started with an email, mate. Me wanting to be a lifeguard, email, and then literally domino effect, being a part of Bono Rescue, getting the exposure to be able to get the water safety, fire safety messages out there now, um, write a few books, travel around, educate, teach. You know, one thing I'm hearing you say here, Maxie, which I think a lot of people will be able to relate to especially is, you can apply the same way you've approached your career and your aspirations and your passions to become not only a lifeguard, but I'm hearing a fiery. People can attack that to their life. So for example, if someone's struggling right now, all it can do to make a massive difference in your life is asking for help. For example, I might ask you, and then you might say something that I've never heard of, who's put me in touch with someone to get this sort of help, which I never knew was possible, which could open up that door, which could eventually get me on a track where I'm feeling well, which then I'm starting to look at jobs where I've always wanted to do. And that can open up more doors than anyone else. And I always bring everything back to the mantra, it ain't weak to speak. And that's not just about mental illness, mental health challenges by any means. This is about anything. For example, you got an email out and send it off to Hopper. Can I do work experience? That was asking. And that was showing sheer passion and pride and knowing that it ain't weak to speak. You don't expect it. When you expect things, nothing comes on your lap. And you know, and I know, if you tell someone your dreams and your goals and you put it in their hands, guess what? It's not going anywhere. No one's going to have the best interest other than yourself. So if you want to give 100%, you need to do it on your own merit. If you put all your hopes and dreams into someone else's hands, mate, they might only give 20, 30, 40%. Depends who it is, but everyone's different. Everyone has their own agendas, mate. And it comes to the you principle. Yourself, others, and the unfortunate. And a lot of the time, people always look after themselves, and that's fine. But if you've got to get that strength and know, and if you want something, move in that direction, move forward, mate, and... Don't expect others to... Expect others to do everything for you. You've got to be able to do it yourself. But it's a definitely a teamwork with a lot of things in life. Oh, 100%, mate. And you just need to find the right people around you, find your tribe, find the people that bring out the best in you. Don't stick around with people that are dead shit so uh, have no interest and don't care what you do. If you have mates that have no idea what you do for work or, you know, when you're telling them a story and they just see straight through you, well, mate, they're just waste, you're just wasting your time. I just, I just, I just say, yeah, no worries, brother. Keep moving. Not that you dislike them. They're just not your cup of tea and they're just, they're on the same journey as you. They don't get it. They're not on your path and it's no disrespect to them. It's just not everyone's, everyone's cup of tea. As they say, it is what it is. Keep moving on. A no is a yes somewhere else too. Just remember that. If someone doesn't like your idea or doesn't want to give you a crack, go see the next person. Took me three publishers to get my books up and running. The first two said no. 
I said, yeah, well, I'm going to do the third one. Third one gave me an opportunity, not for one book, but for three books. So, you know, if I got knocked back the first one, oh, maybe my book's are crap. Oh, second one, oh, maybe they really are crap. Third one, no, we love your book idea. We want to do three. Yeah, you're writing your own script, mate, and I love it. I love your mindset, mate. It's very, very solid. For people who are in first responders and anyone who's listening that is on shift work in first responders with their family and, and whatnot, how do you manage stress, mate? As a 29-year-old man, and this time right now is very stressful for a lot of people. And I think given the work that you do, you said that, yeah, you go from job to job and it sort of buries pretty quick. You don't have a lot of time to decompress and sort of think about what you've actually done. Maybe you do when you go for a run. I'm not sure. But how do you manage stressful situations? How do I manage stressful situations during these tough times? Physical exercise, which we were talking about before, running. Having a relatively good base diet, so eating the correct foods. You know, don't get me wrong, I love my burgers, I love my pizza. But, you know, I try and pick and choose my battles of when I eat crappy food. Try and get as much sleep as you can because that really does reset your mind and your body when you sleep. Drugs and alcohol, obviously, big no-no or, you know, limit it. Surround yourself with positive and happy people. And if you're really struggling, you know, with the COVID-19, just try and see if there's other opportunities with other things that you might have interest in. Like you might read more books or you might take up painting or you might start doing exercise or you might create a different business idea. Just trying to keep your mind busy. Hopefully, fingers crossed, like in Australia, it's starting to get a little bit normal, still a lot of restrictions in place, but there's a lot more people out and about now. looks like a few of the restaurants and the hospitality industry is starting to pick up a bit, which is good because I know that was a big hit here. And what we were saying before, mate, in LA, can or just elaborate again to the people that don't know what the unemployment rate is. In- yeah, I mean, just in the entertainment industry here in LA, I think they've laid off something like 890,000 people. The entire you know, Hollywood film production, for example, is all shut down. So it's a very tough time, but it's also a very important time to reinforce that you know there are always ways to chase after your dreams or be involved in, in certain things in your life that you've always wanted to. And it does take hard work. And obviously timing is a big part of it too. But you know what you're saying, Maxim, from what I'm hearing you say is never give up on that dream of yours and chase those things and then make sure that they are in fact what you want to do they're, they're your passions you're not doing something because maybe someone else has told you to do it or you've got no interest do it because you're genuinely passionate and you're interested about it and you watch and you'll be so much more happier for it and you'll love it and you'll wake up every morning and you don't care what time it is you go there you'll give 110 percent um don't be wrong there's days where i have like slow days or down days but I try and just revert back to why I'm doing what I'm doing. And with the kids, I do a lot of stuff with kids uh, around the world about water safety and fire safety and educating them, them learning the skills, but then coming back and saying, thank you for making me come out of my shell because we do a lot of stuff on Zoom like this and quizzes and stuff. And there's a lot of introverted people that follow what we do and they've actually started to come out of their shells and really express their passions of being a firefighter or a first responder or a lifeguard or someone that just wants to do good in the community. So both of us are doing similar things and it's amazing to get the message out there. But I just want to make sure that anyone that is doing it tough, please go speak to someone. When we do our counselling stuff after a major incident, nine times out of ten we speak about the details of what we did in that job. But after it, we all find ourselves talking about personal stuff, and getting it out off our chest and getting things out in the open and 
obviously in a controlled room where, you know, some personal things don't want to be said outside that door. But as a, someone that you're speaking to, it's a safe room, doesn't leave there, and you can get a lot of things off your chest. And there's been times where I, I didn't know that some things were probably bothering me. So from talking about a major incident that I've been to to finishing it off with something else on my personal life that's been bothering me or a bit of anger or, you know, whatever. Talking to someone or talking to your mate is the best thing to, and it ain't weak to speak like you're saying. It, it's a great slogan and it's a great thing to get in people's minds because as a first responder, we see the end result of people taking their lives. And I was telling you before, it's not pretty. There's some bad, bad things that happen to people when they take their life. And for first responders, it's an early onset of PTSD, mental health issues. You know, I've been on a few train jobs. As a rescuer, we do the people hit by trains and like, it's just horrible, horrible, horrible way to go. I don't know. It's just one of those things, man. Like I always revert to the fact of I could deal with blood and guts. I could deal with bodies, but sometimes it gets me is what, what you must have hated yourself so much or someone's really upset you so much that you've just violently done this to yourself. It's very, very hard sometimes to see and to know that someone's actively jumped in front of a train or actively jumped over a fence off a cliff. It still baffles me sometimes, but we always treat the bodies with utmost respect. Um, you know, it gives closure to the families. It takes the bodies back to the right places. You know, sometimes the Gap is a, a notorious place. A lot of people from all around Australia come to the Gap to take their life. So us retrieving them or us trying our best to save them, when they go, if we get them, they go to their right respectful places and be laid to rest with their family and friends and loved ones. Like the youngest suicide I've had was a girl off Diamond Bay. She was 16 years old. And anyone that's listening that knows Diamond Bay is just a little bit to the north near the Gap. Very, very high. It's higher than the Gap, actually. And, mate, it's like, I'm not going to describe what it looked like, but it was horrific. And it didn't stuck me that the cops were trying to talk her down and she jumped in front of them. Oh, so the cops see that day in, day out. But for lifeguards and sometimes fireys, you know, hearing sometimes the stories, that's why it's good not to hear the background stories sometimes just because it actually puts, not kind of shut it off, but it just helps us do the job better when we don't know the backstory because you become personal, it becomes human, it becomes like all the retrievals I've done, I try not to look to the face. You know, I know it sounds a bit morbid and a bit malice, but for me, personally, my mental health, it's good not to look into it too much. So you've got your own boundaries and you've got your own implementation plans in place, as I'm sure you guys are taught this through training and everyone's got their own. But it's important to know that for anyone that is struggling, what Maxie is certainly trying to say is there is other options available. Yeah, and it's very sad, mate, to hear that. You know, first responders don't get enough love and time and respect for dealing with things like this on the front line time and time again. And we often, as at Livin, obviously, are very preventative and everything that we do is around raising awareness for mental health and suicide prevention and around breaking down those stigmas that are around mental health so that people can seek help because everyone deserves it. And when we're talking about more of the simple mental health challenges, but there's also very complex and severe mental illnesses, which do require, you know, enough, you know, input and time and therapy and things like that. There is a plan to get back on track for people so that they can live again, but everyone's plan is going to look very different and it's not all the same for everyone. And everyone who struggles with anxiety might have very different 
self-care strategies or very different triggers. And But when it gets to a place where, you know, we deal with suicide, the conversation a lot within the work that we do and the amount of lives that I've seen firsthand, Maxi, people wanted to take their life that have decided to live, who have tried it and survived. It's proof in the pudding that everyone should choose life. And suicide isn't the option because in a moment from now or could be in a week from now or could be a year from now, like you said before, with those right contacts or the people that you ask for help to or the people who've put you in touch with someone could change the entire course of your life and open up doors that you never even thought were possible. Definitely, definitely, mate. And obviously at the moment you can't travel, but traveling is one of those things too. If everything's going to shit where you are or, you know, you just want to just, not so much escape, but if there's something where you just need to get out and you just need to just break free, it's a bit hard at the moment with COVID-19, but, mate, travel. Get there, experience, meet other people, meet other groups, see the seven wonders of the world. It's a massive world out there and a lot of the time where I hear people in small country towns that feel like they just can't get out of their country town but, you know, never been to the big city before or never been to, you know, anywhere, just experience, you might get a different perspective on life. It's just a thing where, you know, life's for living and you never know what, next step will take you what's around the corner huh? yeah exactly man you just never know what's possible exactly you just need to try and stay positive try and stay happy and just do good be good see good just it all it's like a vicious cycle mate you just do good be good no mate i love it i've loved every minute of this conversation appreciate your insights and everything else before we wrap up this maxi and i'll let you get some sleep mate <laughs> you don't look tired though i'll give you that you i feel well, like mate. i've aged i've aged about <laughs> 10 years no, but, uh, you, look, you look fine mate you look fine but before we wrap up mate i want to ask you this any last tips or tools or any wisdoms that you can leave with people right now that might be struggling or who have contemplated suicide or who is on the verge of giving up just let you know that you're not alone there are people that do love you and want to support you and help you like sam and myself in different respects the end goal might feel like you'll be pain free and stuff like that but sometimes you know first responders and stuff it's not ideal so just try and speak to someone get the necessary help this COVID 19 hopefully will push through soon things will get back to a little bit of normality do things that you love doing. It gives you a chance to spend time with the family, read a book, do some arts and crafts. If you want to do a different job, start studying, start getting your head around things that you want to do, physical exercise. Just know that you're not alone and everyone has their good and bad days. And just remember, it's just a bad day, not a bad life. It's not a bad life. It might just be a bad day. It's just a bad day, mate. Mate, I love that. I love that, mate. And, and the amount of times that you hear the tragic suicide stories, we're just in the wrong moment, the wrong time. You know, that wrong hour, literally hour. We're talking, you know, hanging at a family barbecue, which horrific stories, but you hear people have been at barbecues, parties, too much alcohol, too much drugs, whatever. Someone said something or seen something or someone's triggered something and they've just gone and just done it. And sometimes some of the calls that I've heard, I haven't really seen it myself, but a lot of the time it's sad to think, but a lot of the time people do start to regret as they jump in front of a train or as they jump off a cliff or as they start to try and hang themselves, there's been times where there's been struggles to try and save their life. Go, what am I doing? Classic example for, I know we're wrapping it up, but one of the lifeguards had a call around the gap about 10 years ago. Guy jumped off, survived. And the first thing that he said to when the guys got there, as soon as I leapt off, I knew it was a bad decision. I didn't want to die. So that's one person. Can you imagine 
if there's three or four people a week jumping off the gap, just the gap alone, that's not people jumping in front of trains, jumping off buildings elsewhere in the world. That's just the gap, four or five a week. Surely out of that four or five, there'll be a few in their head you know, as soon as they take that leap. Uh-oh. And as sad that is, try not to get to that point because life's for living. And, you know, you've got the right people like yourself that are doing good and you've got the support out there and just know you're not alone. Yeah, and there is help and there is plenty of support out there, guys. And this has been a very graphic episode, which is fine. And we've got all the show notes to support people if you are struggling and this episode does bring up anything, please do not hesitate to hit the Living.org website, the Get Help section, where we'll have everything there for you as well as in the show notes. Maxi, where can everybody find you and your little venture, Live, Learn and Survive, mate? Where can people track you down if they want to connect with you? Yeah, so just Lifeguard Maxi. (laughs) Lifeguard, M-A-X-I, and Instagram and Facebook. And then obviously Live, Learn, Survive is the Instagram. But yeah, mate, anyone that's listens to this that wants to get in contact with me, DM me about firefighting, lifeguarding, just general stuff that you've spoke about today. Always happy to have a chat and get the message out there. So yeah, mate, it's been an absolute pleasure, Sam. You're one of the best, mate. Love your work, mate. I appreciate you. Appreciate your time. Appreciate your insights. And I appreciate you devoting some time to the podcast today to help us spread a very important message to to save more lives and to break down those barriers so that people can live better and live longer. But mate, I'd love to let you go now because I know that you're wrecked. But thanks so much again for everything. I'll put all of this stuff in the show notes and I'll get some stuff off you too to share with our Facebook group too from live learn survive as well as any other insights or tools or any printouts that you think that you'd like to share with the group mate i'll get them from you and i'll share with everyone who might be listening thanks sammy boy look after yourself man i'll see you very shortly you too brother thank you again for listening in to another episode of it ain't weak to speak please like share and spread the love to as many people as you can let people know that you subscribe to the show Don't forget to leave a review or a comment so that we can grow this community together because a conversation could save a life. If you want to continue this chat, please join me on the podcast Facebook group at living.org. I can't wait to share the next episode with you, but in the meantime, stay well, keep living, and remember, it ain't weak to speak. Thank you and have a top day. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.